said, I am loved. Amen. Amen. I am held. I am strong. Jesus said, I am yours. Amen. I am his. Amen. His word says, I am unforsaken. Amen. I am unforsaken. Amen. And I believe in his word today. I really believe in the word of God today in a time of uncertainty, a time of chaos, a time of turmoil. We can always turn to what we know. And what we know is the word of God. Amen. What we know is the word of God. And the word of God tells us that he is working all things together for our good. The word of God says that he doesn't have thoughts to harm us, but to prosper us. He has good thoughts for us because we're loved. The word of God says we're so loved. Amen. We're so loved. There's a sweet spirit in his presence today. There's a sweet spirit in this place today. And I know you can't join us here. We can't be where you are, but God can. Amen. God's right there with you. I want you to allow God to comfort you. Allow God to just come to you and just fill you today, God, with, with, with peace. The Bible says that he gives us a peace that passeth all understanding. He gives us a peace that the world can't offer. I ask you to just allow him to do that today. He's wanting to, he's wanting to give you some peace today and comfort. He's wanting you to turn to him today. He said if we would turn to him, he would heal our land. If we would just turn to him, he would heal our land. I really believe, and I've just been thinking and praying this week, that I believe on the other side of this thing is going to be a great revival. I just believe that on the other side of this, there's going to be such a great awakening of God's people. I just can't believe that this is all for nothing. I can't believe that God doesn't have a plan in this, that all of this caught him by surprise. I just can't believe that. I believe that he's working all things out. And on the other side of this, it's going to be a great revival of his children. Amen. People are going to be saved. People are going to be healed. There's going to be some great things come out of this, but we got to hold on. we got to keep turning to him. we got to keep looking to him, the author and finisher of our faith. We can't turn to the government. Amen. We can't turn to doctors. We have to turn to God. Right now, we must turn to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you, God, that you fill our, this place with your presence. God, we thank you, God, that we can feel you today. We thank you, God, that, that we know, God, Lord, that you said we were never left. We were never forsaken, God. We thank you, God, that we believe, God, in your word today, that you're working all things together for good, God. We know, God, that we are your children, God, and you said you would never leave your children, God. So we ask you today, dear God, to just give us comfort, God. Give us your peace today, dear God. Give us your understanding today, dear God. Lord, I ask you, God, to give us a word today that would encourage your people, God, that would lift up your people today, dear God, Lord, and help them, God, to look to you, God, the author and the finisher of our faith, God. Lord, we love you and we praise you, God. We know you've got a good word today, dear God. Let it be your word today, dear God. Lord, we thank you for all you're doing in this place, God. Lord, all you're going to do across Facebook Live and all you're going to do in this nation, all you're going to do in this world, God. We know, God, that something great's coming from this. We know, God, Lord, that a great awakening, a great revival is coming to your children, God, because your children are turning back to you, God. Left and right, God. I saw the news today where they're just posting where people can go to online services. They've never done that before, God. People are turning back to you, God. Left and right, and we just believe that, God, people are going to be on Awakened. People are going to be revived. People are going to turn. People are going to be saved, God, through this, God. We're thanking you today, God. We're looking at you, God. We're looking at you today, dear God. Lord, I ask you, Lord, to protect the people that are watching today, their families, God. We ask you, Lord, to keep them safe, God. Lord, and just put that edge around them, God. 
And we just love you. We're going to praise you, God. And we're going to lift up your name today. Your precious name. Amen and amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor. If you trust them, hug them. If you trust them, love them. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I've just been I've been working on an entirely different message today, and uh, and God just laid something different on my heart this last couple of days, and I just can't get away from a word that I believe is just so relevant for this time in our nation, for this season in every one of our lives, a word that I believe just uh, is resonating with every one of us, and that word is uncertainty. Amen. What I found really and truly is the only thing that is certain right now is that people are uncertain. Amen. Right. The only thing that's certain is that people are uncertain. We just don't know. Amen. We just don't know. I look back the last weekend and uh, all of a sudden everybody started buying up all the toilet paper. Amen. Everybody just started buying all the toilet paper up and they didn't even really understand why they were doing that. If you look back, I mean, the uh, symptoms of this illness had nothing to do with using more toilet paper. Amen. There was no shortage of toilet paper. But all of a sudden, everybody started buying up all the toilet paper, right? A few people tweeted, a couple people posted, a few people memed, if that's a word. And then all of a sudden, everybody goes out and they start buying up all the toilet paper because we live in uncertain times. And unfortunately, when we live in uncertain times, people act irrational. Amen? The thing that really concern, comforts me today, though, is that we've always lived in uncertain times, Okay? We've never lived in certain times because if we live in certain times, that would mean that we're in control. Amen. And we're not in control. God's in control. Amen. We're not in control today. Only God's in control today. In fact, if you look at the Bible, the Bible is a collection of people that lived in uncertain times. Okay? If you go back and you look, you'll, you'll notice a man named Moses and the children of Israel, they didn't know where their food was going to come from. Amen? They lived in uncertain times. They didn't know where their food was going to come from. But the Bible says it just came. Amen. If you look at the Israeli army, they were sitting on the uh, side of a mountain, staring out across this big gully or this big valley at a Philistine army that was bigger and better than they were. And they had this giant out there that was constantly taunting them. And they were uncertain if they had a champion. And then a little shepherd boy came to bring his brother's lunch. I look at Peter, and Peter was preaching to thousands on Pentecost, and they were uncertain whether these men were drunk or not. Amen. They didn't know what was going on, but Peter opened his mouth, and God spoke, and thousands were saved. And we can go on and on and on, but the Bible is full of people that lived in uncertain times. And unfortunately, today, we also live in uncertain times. But what that means to me is that the Bible is extremely relevant today. Amen. The Bible is always relevant but when we're uncertain, when we're unsure of our what's going on in the world, the Bible becomes our hiding place. Amen? The Bible becomes our hiding place. It's where we go to look for answers. It's where we go to look for answers for the questions we have on our mind and in our hearts. And maybe our biggest question today is simply, what do I do during uncertain times? What do I do during uncertain times? If you were here with me, and I wish you were, I wish every one of you were here with me this uh just doesn't seem right. I've got about three or four people in a camera staring at me. And it just doesn't seem right that you're not here with me. I really wish you were here with me. Amen. And if you were here with me today, and if I were to give you a Sharpie, and I were to ask you to go around this church today, and I were to ask you to write on the, all these walls your fears, your questions, 
your uncertainties. If I was to ask you to go around these walls and just write down your worries on these walls, I'm sure it would take no time for you to fill these walls up. Now, if that was, if we were to put down our Sunday morning facade that I'm a Christian and I don't worry about anything because honestly, we're all a little worried. Amen. We're all a little uncertain. We all have fears. Sure. And if I was to ask you to fill these walls with your fears and your worries today, I believe we could do it in no time. Amen. Now, I won't do that because the pastor would tackle me. Amen. He would tackle me if we tried to ride on these walls. So I won't do that. But that image, just get that image in your mind for a minute. All our fears, all our worries written on these walls. Surrounded by them. But then get the image of God with a giant eraser. Right. Amen. Coming around, erasing all our fears, erasing all our words. Amen. Take every one of them away. What I want us to understand today is this. Life is uncertain, but God is not. Mm -hmm. Amen. Those things we wrote on the wall are just things that we have no control over. We have no control over. Those things, honestly, we can do nothing about. They're real. We don't want to downplay them. Fear and worry are real and they will paralyze us. But God is still in control of that. Amen. Amen. He is still in control. I love that little song and I wish I would have got the band to play it. He's got the whole world in his hands. Amen. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the itty bitty babies in his hands. Amen. He's in control. Amen. He's got everything in his control. He's got everything in his hands. In other words, he's got everybody in his hands today. Amen. None of this took him by surprise. The fact is today we all know that God's in control. We as Christians know that God has us in his hands. And that realization that God is in control, that he has us in his hands, should in fact dictate how we respond. Amen? In other words, our response to uncertain times should be dictated by our trust in God. See, I was thinking a few years ago, I was on a flight to Tokyo. I was flying to Tokyo, Japan, and it was a pretty uneventful flight. Really nothing but some mild turbulence. So we began uh, to make our approach into Tokyo. The airport there is called Merida. And the pilot made his little announcement that we're going to be making our final approach. And uh, like I said, everything was good. Nothing had happened. The seatbelt light came on. We all put our seatbelt on. And we began to descend when all of a sudden the plane dropped out of the sky. It dropped down and sideways. And it scared me very bad. Amen. It scared me very bad. And it felt like it took minutes, hours maybe. I'm sure it was only a few seconds, but it really shook everyone there really bad. There was a lady sitting beside me, and this was her first flight ever. And I don't recommend if you're going on your first flight to make it be a 10-hour flight. All right? But uh, this was her first flight. And uh, she grabbed my leg really hard. I mean really hard. I'm sure I have permanent injuries. Right? <laughs> but she grabbed my leg really hard, and she began to say over and over, Jesus, 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 over and over and over. And uh, her instinct when troubles came was to turn to Jesus. Her instinct when trouble came was to start to pray. The plane correct, quickly corrected and everything was okay. And I never really knew what happened. I really thought the pilot owed me an explanation, but he didn't give me one. <laughs> but uh, everything was okay. But her response to uncertainty was to turn to God. You've heard your pastor say the same thing about a flight he was on one time and Brother Craig all of a sudden said, pray, right? Whenever the plane got in trouble, Craig said, pray, right? I read a story one time about a very famous plane crash. I'm not trying to scare anybody from flying today. I don't recommend flying right now, but I, I'm definitely not trying to scare you from flying because I've flown many, many times with very few issues. But 
You guys probably remember there was a, a crash and it was all over the news and a movie came out about it where a plane actually landed in the Hudson River. Right? The pilot was a man named Sullenberg, or Sully, it was a great movie. Right? But he did an awesome job, an amazing job of landing that plane on the Hudson River without any casualties, without anybody being hurt. The story I read was that someone asked, what did everyone begin to do when the plane started going down? What did everyone start to do when the plane started going down? And his answer was they began to pray. Now I wonder, how do you think this happened? Do you think the captain came on and said, now this is the captain speaking in preparation for our cash. We're going to land into the Hudson River. And we would ask today that you would begin two or three together, get in small groups and start praying. Do you think that's what happened? Of course that's not what happened, right? It's just people started praying, right? Whenever things are uncertain, people begin to pray. They began to turn to God. They just did it. In times of uncertainty, we do some things instinctively. The reason all of this was kind of laid on my heart this week is it came from a moment of reality in a conversation with, with my wife. Me and my wife were uh, talking on the couch the other night, and we were talking about how we reacted when all of this happened last week. Right, of course, at first we had all the right answers. We're church leaders, right? We had all the right answers. We said, we'll pray. We'll trust God. We'll have faith. We've got to be strong. We've got to be not shaken. We've got to be the church. We've got to stand strong, right? And we really did well for a time, right? Until we went to the grocery store. <laughs> and we went to the grocery store and everything was gone. So we began to panic, right? Just like everybody else did a little bit. We began to panic a little bit, right? And we began to kind of do what everybody else was doing. We began to kind of stock up a little bit. And I know there's a difference between common sense and buying so that you'll have because everybody else is, right? But we also know when we feel panic, right? We also know when we feel that panic and we let it grip our lives, right? And we reacted out of panic instead of trusting God, right? I mean, we hope we do the right things, but how do we really know, right? How do we really know? And that really brought both of us a little bit of guilt. Me and my wife was talking about that. We had some guilt over how we reacted. And maybe today some of us as Christians feel the same way. We have a little bit of guilt in our lives over the way we've been reacting lately. Right? Did I trust God? Am I trusting God? And we really just wonder how should we react? How should we react? What do I do when I don't know what to do? Right? What do I do when I don't know what to do? How should we live in times of uncertainty? And here's a greater question. How do we find peace in the storm today? How do we find peace in this uncertain time today? Today I'm going to look at a story of a guy who found peace in the middle of his storm. And we're going to see some very practical things that we should do to survive the storm. Amen? And how we should react. And not only survive, but my pastor gave us a word the other day, thrive. Amen? We shouldn't just survive during the storm, amen, but we should thrive during the storm. We are the church, amen. 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 His name is Hezekiah, and you'll find this passage in 2 Chronicles 32. And I would get Kevin to pull it up, but you wouldn't see it, amen. So I'm going to trust that you'll turn to your Bibles today, right? Read your Bible, amen. As Medea would say, read your Bible, amen. Read your Bible. Right, just to give you a little background of what's going on here, the Assyrian army and the northern kingdom of Israel were in war. They had all but wiped out the northern kingdom, as a matter of fact. The southern kingdom of Israel, as we talked about the last time that our priest, was called Judah. Okay? And during this time, there was a young king. His name was Hezekiah. 
Hezekiah had married the daughter of a prophet named Zechariah. So he married a preacher's kid. Amen. And his best friend was a guy named Isaiah. So it's kind of safe to say that he had some pretty strong religious foundations. The issue was when Hezekiah had become king, the kingdom of Judah had kind of been led away from God in almost every way. So during this time, Judah, Israel, had been led away from God. They were worshiping all these false gods. They were going up in the hills and worshiping these false gods. The temple at this time had basically been turned into a storage unit. Okay? They had stopped worshiping God. They had, right, they had stopped obeying God. They had stopped even acknowledging who God was. As a result, the country was falling apart. And at this time, it was when Hezekiah became king. And for 11 years, Hezekiah began to clean house, if you will. He began to change some things. If you go back and read from 2 Chronicles 29 and 31, those chapters, we see story after story of all Hezekiah did to bring God back to the center of life of the Jewish people. And there was a real revival going on during this time. There was a revival going on. And this is where we find King Hezekiah in chapter, 31, chapter 32, right? If you'll follow along with me in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 32, verses 1, you'll see it says, After these things and the establishment thereof, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered into Judah, and encamped against the fenced cities and thought to win them for himself. Now get this picture. Hezekiah had done all he was supposed to do, amen? He had done all he was supposed to do, and he had uh, went out and he had kind of restored God to the center of this nation. Okay? And here it is. King Hezekiah had done all he was supposed to do and all he had done, right? And here the king, the, the Syrian army comes and they attack the children of Israel and they were within striking distance of conquering the whole city. And that's where we're at. And it kind of doesn't seem fair. Amen? It kind of doesn't seem fair. Hezekiah had done things right, but still trouble came. Now, most people would say, God, I was doing everything right. Why did you let this happen to me? Amen. You ever done that? Yeah. Maybe you've done that recently. Amen. Right? A lot of us may be even doing that right now during this difficult time. God, I'm following you. Why in the world does all this uncertainty happen? Amen. Why all this struggle? I thought things would be different if I followed you, God. I thought things would be different. Listen, I want to tell you today that Hezekiah knew something that we've got to get in our head, okay? And that's that life is uncertain, but God isn't. Amen? Amen. He also knew that old saying that I may not know who hold, I may not know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. Amen. He also knew, just as our little children know in our Sunday school classes, God has the whole world in his hands. Amen? Right. So rather than shaking his fist at God and blaming him or getting in a corner and pouting, right? And saying that like, life just isn't fair or getting depressed and saying life's just too hard. Hezekiah says this. You know what? That's just life. Right? And then he takes steps to ensure that he does all that he's supposed to do. In times of uncertainty, guys, we still have the responsibility. Amen. Amen. I want you to get that in your head today and I hope you understand that. This is real important. We all know that things are crazy right now. We're all very unsure. But that does not mean that the body of Christ has been forgiven of this responsibility. That's right. We still have a responsibility to advance the kingdom of God. Right. We still have a responsibility to worship and praise and pray. We still have a responsibility to do all those things. Amen. Amen. All those things have not gone. Okay. I want you to remember, if, 
if you're a farmer today, and I'm not a farmer, hey man, I couldn't grow nothing. Apparently, I can't even grow sunflowers because they're dead, right? But uh, if you're a farmer today, every farmer knows that he doesn't provide the rain, okay? The farmer doesn't provide the rain, he doesn't provide the soil, but yet he still must sow the field, amen? He still must sow the field. If he wants to see a harvest, he must sow the field. When uncertainty comes, there's some things that we are responsible to do before God will do what only God can do, amen? In this passage, we're going to see Hezekiah do some things that I believe are a pattern for us in times of uncertainty. The first step we're going to do today is to make sure our house is in order. If you go down to verse 2, chapter 32, verse 2, it says, And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib was come, that he was purposed to fight against Jerusalem, he took counsel with his princes and his mighty men to stop the waters of the fountains which were without the city, and they did help him. Basically, there's these streams outside of the city walls Okay, and these Assyrian armies were camped about by those streams and they were sustaining them, okay? So there were gathered much people together who stopped all the fountains and the brook that ran through the midst of the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? Why would we provide them with water to sustain them? Amen. Also, he strengthened himself and built up the walls that was broken and raised up the towers and among another wall without and repaired Mela, the city of David. And made darts and shields in abundance. There's three things I see here that Hezekiah did to get the house in order when trouble came. First, he blocked off all the bad things. Amen. He blocked off all the bad things. Then he mended the broken things. And then he strengthened the weak things. I want you to listen to the things we talked about earlier and the fears that we wrote on these walls earlier. We didn't really write on the walls because our pastor tackled us, remember? But if we'd have wrote those fears and worries on our walls and those things that were really bothering us right now, I want you to think about those things as we talk about what Hezekiah did today, okay? First, he blocked off the bad things. He remembered the fountains that were outside the city walls, and these fountains were sustaining the enemy, okay? These fountains were sustaining the enemy. And he thought, I don't want the enemy to have access to be here any longer than they should be. Amen? I don't want the enemy to have access to be around any longer than they could be. Right? Nothing that would cause them to linger. Nothing that would strengthen their resolve. Nothing that would give them any type of foothold in this area of my life. Right? Mm -hmm. Listen, there's some things that supply strength to our enemy. Right? There's some things that supply strength to our enemy. And most of the time, we give it to them. Right? It's our habits, right? Our attitudes. And frankly, the way we live our lives sometimes gives, gives us strength to the enemy. For example, right now, there's a lot of financial un uncertainty. Amen? Right? A lot of us, for a long time, have been chasing a, lot a lifestyle that was beyond our income. Right? We've been chasing a lifestyle maybe that was beyond our means. So now we have to be willing to say, right, those things that we thought were necessary to sustain our lifestyle just aren't anymore. Amen. So sometimes we've got to change our way of thinking. Right? Maybe finances have been pushing us in a direction that doesn't align with God's will for our lives. Right? Maybe it's not finances. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's our friendships. Right? Those things have given the enemy strength to shake our resolve. Right? See, the lifestyle you were used to may not be an option right now. Okay? For a lot of us right now, so there's a lot of people out of work right now. The unemployment rate has shot up all of a sudden. So that lifestyle that we were used to may not be an option right now during this trying time. So you may need to block the influence of those things that are over your life. Maybe those things have been blocking your spiritual growth. Maybe they've been causing you to be so busy that you had no time for God. Amen? 
Right? Now you have a choice to block out all of those things out of your life and make time for God. Block those things from your life that push you away from God and cause the enemy to have strength over you. Amen. After you block those bad things, the Bible says he mended the broken things. It says he worked hard repairing the broken sections of the wall. He mended the broken and he uh, went and he repaired the wall. A lot of times, mending the broken things are the hardest part. Amen? Those things were once healthy parts of the kingdom. Over time, those things kind of fell apart as other things do in our lives, right? And other things began to take its place of importance. Listen, those broken things in your life, you have an opportunity right now to mend those. Amen. Amen. You can look at this as a blessing, right? Maybe it's your marriage. It slowly fell apart as you chased the things of the world, right? And we let other things become secondary. We let other things become primary in our lives. And we let our marriage and those things become secondary. And now you have an opportunity to mend those things today. Amen. Maybe it's a relationship with your kid or some other relationship. Listen, I don't know where this fits into your life, right? I don't know you personally, right? I do know you personally. It feels like I don't know you personally because I'm looking at a camera. But I don't know what, you know, fits into this thing, this sermon in your life. But whatever it is, right, you got to be able to mend those broken things, amen? You have an opportunity right now, right? I do know the Bible says they work hard to rebuild the broken things in their life. Right? It's hard work to mend the broken things, but it's necessary. After he mended and he, after he blocked the bad things and he mended the broken things, next he strengthened the weakened things. It says he built another wall outside that one and reinforced the towers, if you will. There's some things in your life that are doing okay right now, right? But if the enemy concentrated on that point in your life, it may break down right now, right? And so they made sure that they made a decision to reinforce that area of their lives, right? Do you know your weak spots? Right? Do you know your weak spots? And maybe your finances are set, but over a certain time, maybe your finances are okay right now, but you're living beyond your means. So when times like this happen, right, it became shaken. So now's a good time for us to reinforce that area in your life. Right? It could be... Uh, your marriage, as I said, and everything feels okay, but if the enemy attacked that part of your life, it could get you in trouble. What are you doing to reinforce it? It could be that you enjoy going to church, right? You like going to church, but maybe if you got involved in small groups, it could reinforce your walk, okay? It could be, you know, you enjoy going to church, you like going to church, and that area of your life, you think's okay. Your spiritual walk with Jesus, you think's okay, but what if you began to serve in the church, Amen. What if you began to work for God? Maybe that would strengthen, right? Maybe that would make you more committed. Amen? What if you began to go to these small groups and study more and pray more and worship more, come to our Thursday prayers? What if you began to do, the, do those things? Maybe that would strengthen your resolve and your spiritual walk with God. I don't know, but you, you just don't assume that because things are okay now that they will be okay in the middle of a storm. A lot of times we think things are great, Right? But then the storm comes and we're shaking, just like me and my wife was, right? I've seen too many people go along with things just going to be okay, right? But never really taking the next step. And when things come, like we have right now, they're shaking so bad, they walk away from the church. I've seen a lot of people that are going good. Things are going good. They're coming to church, but they never really take that next step with God. And then something happens in their lives, and then you just see them go away. They just seem to go away. Right now is an opportunity for us to reinforce those walls. Amen? Amen. Right? 
Our, our, my company made us go through a training last year that I really enjoyed, and that training is called the Seven Habits of a Highly Effective Manager. And it's a really good uh, training. It's by Stephen Covey, and I, I recommend it. But anyway, the first habit to a highly effective manager is to be proactive. Amen? Be proactive. Most of the time, we're all reactive. There's a lot of people that are reactive right now. Right? Highly effective people don't wait until the storm hits. They anticipate trouble beforehand. And Hezekiah challenged us to do the same thing. Put your house in order. I would encourage you to take some time and figure out, have I blocked off the bad things, mended the broken things, and strengthened the weakened things in my life? Our next point today is, after you get your house in order, get your heart in order. Amen. Get your heart in order. The first emotion we usually feel in crisis is fear. It's just the way life is, right? Usually fear is not actually reality, though. Amen? Right. Usually, fear is just an emotional response to the information we have. That's, right. That's all it is. And unfortunately, right now, there's way too much information. There just is. There's way too much information. My pastor was showing me it out a while ago that gave me too much information. Amen? I thought I was okay. I began to shake again. <laughs> right? But I hope everyone understands one thing. The media has one purpose, and that's not to inform. It's to sell. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's to keep you watching. Right. It's to keep you interested. It's to keep you turning to that Fox News or CNN or whatever it is. And I'm not going to talk about who's good and who's bad or nothing like that. But they have one purpose, and that's to keep you clicking, to keep you coming back, to keep you watching, turning each other on. That's their purpose, right? And because fear sells, our grocery stores are empty, and our emergency rooms are full. And that's just the way life is. If you go by, I mean, if you really look at the percentage of the people that actually has this virus, it's not large. I understand it's contagious, and I understand we ought to be concerned, and I understand that we ought to do everything we can not to spread. So we don't want to say anything like that. But in all honesty, it's a small percentage, right? But there are a lot of people who are afraid. And there's also a lot of people taking advantage of that fear. Amen? The king of Assyria tried to do the same thing in Hezekiah's day. If you go down to verse 17, it says he wrote also letters to rail onto the God of Israel and to speak against him. Basically, he wrote letters to those people behind the city walls to scare them, saying, As the gods of the nation of the other lands have not delivered these people out of mine hands, so shall not the God of Hezekiah deliver the people out of mine hand. Basically, what he's saying is, look, every other army I faced, I beat, and their God did not deliver them. Why do you think your God will deliver you today? Then they cried with a loud voice in the Jews' speech and to the people of Jerusalem that were on the wall. They spoke in their language. Amen. They spoke in their language to the people on the walls, and it scared them. It says to affright them and to trouble them that they might take the city. Basically, he sent a letter to the people inside the city walls of Jerusalem telling them how weak they were compared to him. He reminded them that nobody else's God had delivered them, as I just said. The Bible says he had soldiers yelling over the wall to scare the people on the wall in their own language. His plan was to divide and conquer. He was using psychological warfare, if you will. Fear sells. It just does. Here's what Hezekiah did. He appointed army officers over the people, and he assembled them before the square. And the Bible says he began to speak words of encouragement to them. Amen. He began to speak words of encouragement to them. If you go back to verse 7, it says, Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed. For the king of Assyria, nor for the multitude that is with him, for there be no more with us 
than with him. Amen. He's saying, look, there's nobody out there that's greater than what we have already. Amen. 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 With him, the Bible says in verse 8, with him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord. Amen. 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 That's, a good, that's a good verse for yeah. us today. Amen. That that comes against us is nothing compared to the God we have in us. Amen. Our God to help us and to fight our battles and the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. They, he encouraged his people. Amen. He encouraged his people. The king of Assyria is going to do everything in his power to discourage the people, but Hezekiah gives them courage. What wise people do in times of uncertainty is limit the negative voices of influence. Amen. And that's what I asked you to do today. Limit the voice of negative influence on your life. Amen. They decide who they will and will not listen to. Wise people decide who they will and will not listen to. What wise people do in times is to stick with what they know. Amen. Mm -hmm. Wise people stick with what they know in times of uncertainty. Okay. Not speculating on what they don't know. Listen, as I said, there's a lot of misinformation going on right now. What we need to do is turn to what we know. Amen. Amen. What we need to do is turn to the Word of God. What we need to do is turn to praising God. What we need to do is turn to praying. Amen. Amen. What we need to do is turn to seeking Amen. God. Don't turn to what you don't know. Turn to what you already know. Right. Amen. We can't change what we know. Amen. We can't change what we know. We know what to do. Amen. Amen. We don't need a new rapture. We know to turn to God. We know to seek God. We know to pray. We know to worship. We know all those things. Amen. Nothing has changed from what we already know. There's no new answer. Amen. The answer we've had the whole time. Amen. So get your house in order. Get your heart in order. And the next thing we're going to do is we're going to seek God until we feel God's peace. Yes. Verse 20 says this. And for this cause, Hezekiah the king and the prophet Isaiah the son of Amos prayed and cried to heaven. Hezekiah knew where to go. He knew where to go. He did what he could do, and then he chose to trust God. Right? He did, he did what he knew to do, and then he chose to trust God to do what only God could do. Let me tell you one thing that only God can do today. Only God can give you peace today. Amen. It may not be the uh, virus that has you worried. It may be something else in your life, right? That's got you worried. But only God can give you peace today. Amen. You may say today, I've been praying nonstop and things just don't seem to get any better. Right? As a matter of fact, they seem to be getting worse. Well, I have to ask today, how have you been praying? It's really important today to, for us to really look at how we've been praying. And a little deeper today, what's your motive behind your prayers? Amen? What's your motive behind your prayers? I want you to listen to one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. Mm -hmm. Let your request be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This scripture is a promise from God today. Amen? A promise that we can lean on, amen? He promises that when we make our request known unto him, then will we have peace that passeth all understanding. And Jesus shall keep your hearts and minds. So what I want to ask you today is when you pray, do you feel that peace? Amen. It's just a real question for you today. It's something you've got to think about. When you pray and you ask God and you request these things, do you feel peace? Right? A lot of times when we don't feel peace because we're more concerned with the request and the motives behind the request. Amen? Amen? So you see a lot of times in crisis situations we find ourselves trusting the answer to our prayers instead of trusting the one who gives the answer. Right? In other words, we're in financial trouble so our answer is a job. 
right? And our trust becomes in our job. And our trust becomes in our financial security. Maybe right now all of your trust is in a cure, right? Maybe your trust is in a, in a stimulus check. But those things haven't come yet, have they? That's right. So we don't have peace. But if our trust is in God, then even if the answer doesn't come, we can still have peace because our trust is in God. Right? That verse also says God keeps our hearts and our minds. But we usually are more worried about God keeping our requests than our hearts. Amen. We're usually more worried about the answer and the request than we are our hearts. There's some really fearful people right now. Some really anxiety-ridden people right now because we're more worried about God answering our request than we are about finding out what God's will is in this situation. Amen? That's good. We need to find out what God's will is and begin to partner with Him on this will. Right? Yeah. We need to partner with Him on His will be completed. We need to understand that today, okay? God still has a plan. As I said at the beginning, none of this caught God by surprise, right? He's not sitting around trying to figure out what the answer is, what to do, right? He's not sitting up there worrying with his Fox News and CNN on, wondering what he should do next, right? God is the answer, right? He is the answer, amen? So today, let's pray, God, it's our desire that you heal our land. It's our desire that you remove this terrible virus. It's our desire that you restore our country, but nevertheless, your will be done. Amen. Amen. Your will be done. Right? This is, our, this is our request. Amen. This is our desire, God. But nevertheless, your will be done. Amen. Are you to that point yet? Amen. Are you to that point where it's God's will? So we must choose to pray, not till the answer comes, not till the circumstances change, not until things go my way, but I pray until my faith is in God and not the answer. Amen. 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 We must seek God until our faith is in God and not in the request. Amen. We pray until our nation is in God, not in the answer. If we trust God instead of the answer, then we will have peace. Amen. If we trust God instead of the answer, we will have peace. Amen. But if our trust is in the answer, then it will be okay when the answer comes, right? But what if the answer doesn't come? Amen. We will not have peace. What if we pray for all this to go away? What if we pray for this virus to disappear? What if we pray for the economy to, to bounce back? What if we pray for my 401k to be okay again? Amen. What if we pray that our jobs are back? What if we trust, right? What if our trust in God hinges on those prayers being answered? And guess what? Even if all those things happen, even if everything is restored tomorrow, right? Something else is going to happen again. Amen. Amen. Something else is going to come eventually, Amen. right? Right? Something else will come eventually. Mm -hmm. That's why our trust can't be in the answer, but instead in the morning grants the answer. Our prayer must be, even if the mountain never moves, amen, right? I'm still going to trust you, God. Mm -hmm. Even if my 401k is gone forever, I'm still going to trust you, God. Even if, even if this virus makes me sick, I'm still going to trust you, God. Amen. Listen, as I said, being fearful is okay right now. It's okay. But if this thing is really shaking you really bad and you can't find peace right now, this thing is really completely taking over your life. Maybe you can't quit looking at the news. Maybe you can't stay off Facebook. Maybe you can't, you know, do anything right now because you're just worried sick about what's going on. Then this might just be a wake-up call for us. Amen. I heard a preacher preaching a message this weekend, and he was calling this a divine shutdown. Amen. A divine shutdown. Right? God has given us an opportunity today. He's, he's provided an opportunity for us to draw closer to Him. Amen. Right? We've got to start looking at this as what it might be a blessing to us, right? 
things are going to get better eventually, guys. They are. Things will get better. This virus will go away, right? Jobs will come back. Our 401k will bounce back. Amen. The dial will raise. Everything will come back, right? But the question is, will you trust God greater after this? Amen. Or has it been shaken so bad that you're going to lose faith in God? Has this thing shaken you so bad that you're going to start turning to the government, the news, the doctors, instead of God? Amen. We can't let it shake us like this anymore. Amen. We have to trust God. We have to get our house in order, our hearts in order, and allow God to give us peace today. That's right. Uh, the Bible says God gives a peace that the world can't offer. Amen. The world can offer you a peace, right? But that peace is in circumstances. And circumstances change. Amen. But God never changes. That's right. So when our peace is in God, then we can always have peace. But if our peace is in our finances, if our peace is in our relationships, those things will eventually change. God never changes. He's the same today, the same tomorrow. He's the same forever. Amen. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to ask this band to come. They're going to lead us in another great worship song. And now will be a great opportunity for you to seek God and to get your heart in order today. Amen. The Bible says, as I said, God gives a peace that path us all understand. If you're searching for that peace today, you got to search where it starts at, and that's with God. We got to seek God today. We got to pray to God, ask Him to heal our land, but most of all, ask Him to heal our hearts. Amen. Heal our hearts today. I want to pray with you, and then Noel's going to sing. I love you. I miss you. I really do. The pastor is going to lead us out in a minute, but I just want you to know I love you so much. We're going to be back together soon in this house, and I'll be hugging you, and you'll wish I would have stopped. But, but for now, we have an opportunity to seek God greater. We have an opportunity to seek God greater than we ever have. We have an opportunity to put our trust where it belongs, and that's in God. Amen. Things are always going to come. This isn't the last storm, God. This isn't the last storm. This storm will pass, but it's not the last storm. There's going to be more storms. We've got to seek God. Put your heart in order. Trust God today. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He loves you. He said he'd never leave you. He's right there with you today. Right there with you where you're at today. He loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God.